With no Tremaine Edmonds and Sean McDermott taking over the play calling, the Buffalo Bills defense promises to look different in 2023, and we're breaking down what those changes could look like today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are, those of you who never miss a single episode. We appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Well, folks, if you're joining us on YouTube, you already know Anthony Prohaska from Cover One, the outstanding host of the Disguised coverage podcast and the film room over at cover one is here to talk about the bills defense we told you we were going to do this a few weeks ago and here we are anthony is back we did the dalton kincaid 12 personnel discussion today we're talking about defensive changes for the buffalo bills in 2023 anthony my dude welcome back thanks for having me um i had a great time the the last time like you said when we got together to talk about some 12 personnel stuff and dalton kincaid and yeah at the end of the episode a little bit of foreshadowing that we would run this uh run our duo back together talking about some defensive stuff and you know we we stick to our word like the joker in the dark knight we're men of Mm -hmm. our word and we told the people we'd get back together and here we are to talk some some really really fun stuff like i'm very i was excited for the last one as well i'm very excited for today's episode as well Talking football is where it's at, man. And this should be a fun conversation. Here's a weird question for you that uh, you're not prepared for me to ask. I see that you have an NBA jersey on. What do we got on today? What is this? I have a Sacramento Kings Jason right. Williams jersey. All right. Are you a Kings talk. fan or? No, I just love. I'm I'm, I'm a Clippers fan by okay. uh, favorite team trade. Kawhi Leonard's my favorite player in the league. But then there are certain players who have really just kind of defined the game for me and who I really appreciated. So. Mm-hmm. Jason Williams, Kings jersey. I got a Michael Jordan, a Scottie Pippen, a Pistol Pete Maravich, Atlanta Hawks jersey from back in the day, and then a couple other smatterings of uh, right. older NBA guys. Well, I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan, and I'm finding uh, a very hard time caring at all about oh, <laughs> man. Char- it, It's just tough, man. They stink. They're they so stink. Bad. And they- it was so like – I know we're similar in age. Like the '90s Hornets were the coolest team, and the uni- the uniforms were the best, oh. the colors were the best. Like the players in early Alonzo Mourning and everything that you had, and then they just fell Dude. off. And, and I moved here right in the middle of that, right? So it, Muggsy Bogues and, yeah. and like you mentioned, there Alonzo Mourning, Glenn yeah. Rice, man. Yes. I, dude, I was so fired up, and then they yeah. left, and the Bobcats came back, and I got season tickets, and then they're the worst team in NBA history, and then they didn't get Anthony Davis, and they got Michael Kidd Gil- Gilchrist, and I said, I'm out of here i can't do this anymore so and bad. then it happened again they're supposed to get this wemby guy they didn't get him they get the number two pick i'm out just uh, not meant to be like i thought when jordan took him over i was still in that oh, belief of please. like awesome guy is gonna make this thing better and awesome and then it was still bad and Dude. still worse like when gretzky was the head coach of the coyotes it was just all oh, so bad still waiting on a meaningful player to sign in charlotte because michael jordan's the owner it hasn't happened no. what al jefferson's the big fish no that's 
no disrespect, but yeah, that's not a big like do. And how can you? That's when you know things are really bad. Like, it's, and Charlotte's a good basketball city. Should be like, North ACC Carolina, country, man. Dang, College basketball. Dang, North Carolina is a basketball state, and then you have Michael Jordan as your like in in the in the picture, and you can't attract top tier nope. talent. Like, what is going nope. on in the water there, man? All right, Anthony. Not a single person push play on this podcast to hear us talk about. That's the all Charlotte. they push play for. <laughs> so let's let's get into this Bills defense here, and uh, want to start this conversation by asking you for some of your ideas with the defensive front. Um, part of my speculation for this unit, especially with some of the personnel that they brought in, like a Puna Ford, like a Leonard Floyd, mm-hmm. is that we could see some more multiplicity with how they align up front, a lot more diversity, maybe some odd front. So I'm going to give it over to you here to kind of share some of your thoughts here about what this front could look like in 2023. Yeah, you, you alluded to some of it. What we've seen traditionally over the past several years, especially – getting away from that, the further we've gotten away from that 2017 first season um, under Sean McDermott, really since like Lorenzo Alexander left the team, the Bills have gone more to that 4-3 over again, just use that front over and over. It's been like their static look for them. And just in case people don't know what a 4-3 over is, just think of your standard. You got two defensive ends and then Ed Oliver's lined up at three tech and Daquan Jones or Starla Tule is lined up as your one tech, like four down and that's their bread and butter. And that's really what they stay in. But what Sean McDermott has experience with learning under Jim Johnson in Philadelphia and then when he was D.C. for a bit there in Philly and then especially when he was with Carolina, you saw more diversity in those fronts. You saw not just not just even the standard like one gapping attacking style. You would see some two gapping every once in a while. You'd see some, you know, gap and a half um, potentially at times that you could see this upcoming year. And then, yeah, a little more odd front, a little more, I think putting players in different alignments and positions that we've seen these past several years where it isn't just, you know, you're going to get a five tech or, you know, you're going to get a one and then a three and then another five, everybody's got their standard gaps and then they're going to try and execute and go forward. So what do you like that? Okay. I know we're talking about why this is different. So you're nodding. You're nodding very aggressively. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you like that? Cause I do too, but go ahead and expand yeah. on why you like it. It just, if you can, and this is obviously based on if your players and, and everybody can handle it, you don't want to just have diversity and multiplicity for the sake of diversity and multiplicity. Cause if, if you have a bunch of stuff that you run and you're not good at running all that stuff, then you still suck and that's not good. But I think when the bills, especially come playoff time, when when you're facing the best teams in your conference and a lot of the best teams in the AFC happen to be some of the best teams in the entire NFL, when you play those teams come January, your entire catalog from the regular season is fully on tape and everybody can break down and attack what and who you are. And there's something to be said for having your like your bread and butter, your core stuff and being able to run it and being tr- tremendous with it. And I know people will think like, oh, well, like the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom defense, all they did was just run cover three every once in a while. And that's not necessarily what they did all the time. And two, they did that because they had generation, not generational, Hall of Fame talent and unicorns at multiple positions. Richard Sherman's in the cover threes and Bobby Wagner's and Earl Thomas's and Cam Chancellor's and all these guys, not to mention the front they had. Those guys don't grow on trees. And in today's NFL, I think you just need to be able to, you need to be able to play rock, paper, scissor every week and be able to throw rock, paper, and scissor. Because if all you do is throw rock, that's awesome. Because if you go up against another rock, maybe you can smash that rock. If you go up against scissors, cool, you break it. 
What happens when someone throws paper at you? You need to be able to stop throwing rock and throw scissors in order to cut that paper up. And so more diversification in their fronts, more versatility in their front usage and gap attacking style. I think that just bodes well for them being able to match up against whoever they play whenever they play. Let me take this to a a spot that maybe you didn't expect me to, but one of the uh, areas that I've learned to really appreciate this multiplicity with the fronts uh, has been watching the Cincinnati Bengals defense, especially Lou Anarumo. You go back to that 2021 playoff run. That was special, man. That defense looked different from half to half and teams had no idea what to do. The Bengals got to the Super Bowl that year and, Look, Joe Burrow played okay, but it was because of Lou Anarumo and that defense and what he was able to generate. And I think that just creates a lot of issues. I mean, you go into a game with a game plan, understanding you know the looks that you're anticipating, and maybe you get some of those in the first half, but he turns it upside down in the second half, and his adjustments are phenomenal. How about Cincinnati or not Cincinnati, Kansas City as well uh, with Steve Spagnolo? Um, you know, I don't statistically they don't really measure up all the time as a good defense, but every year they find their stride. And I think it's because he evolves that that scheme in season. And I think a lot of their plan this year, when you look at their personnel with Chris Jones, bringing back Derek Noddy, but these edge rushers that they brought in from moving on from uh, Frank Clark, moving on from Carlos Dunlap, bringing in a Felix Anaduki Uzoma, bringing in a Charles Amenehue. Look at their linebackers, man. They got Chennault and Tranquil to go with Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. They're going to want to attack you in so many different ways and give you so many different looks And that just stresses you as an offense to be able to block it in the run game or the pass game, right? Because there's no static alignments. There's nothing consistent about it. They continue to throw the kitchen sink out of you, and it makes it challenging. I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. that this is a lot of what we see in Buffalo in 2023. Absolutely. Like you, and that's a great point that you make because it, what you can do schematically starts with the personnel that you have. Yes, you might have some, there are several offensive and defensive schematic geniuses in football that you give them a bag of crap and they will turn it into a bag of diamonds and they can make it work regardless. But most of the time you have to build that schematic identity around the personnel and the players that you have. And you talked about what, you know, the chiefs have done and what the Bengals have done and they've got versatility and they've got different dynamics at multiple position groups. And the bills have started to build around that idea with what they've added. You mentioned the addition of Puna Ford, who I think, you know, when watching his tape, I didn't watch a ton of Seattle last year, but watching his tape, he was used in a variety of alignments. He was in a three. Sometimes he was in a one. He was in a four. Four, He was in a five. Like, and I was like, Oh, and Seattle played a lot more odd front than I realized that they were playing. It's always like, so you, even that, like you take Puna Ford and what he can do from an odd front perspective. And then you take someone like Greg Rousseau with his length, who, can two gap almost any time that he wants. And maybe you want to run a little tight front with him and kick him into a four eye and all these, these opportunities that can potentially arise because of what you have personnel wise paired with a defensive coordinator. Now in Sean McDermott, who at his previous stops as defensive coordinator was a guy who was all about, you know, what are you weakest at? Cool. That's what we're attacking. That's what we're going to do this week. That's how we're going to align. That's the game plan. And I love the Luana Rumo comp. Like he, it was a great way to watch the Bengals defense these past two years. And I'm assuming it'll continue this year watching the teams that they play because what Anarumo, how he, what dials he would turn, that would tell you what he thought that offense did the best. And that's what he would attack. And just not to pick on anyone, 
Look at what that would happen in, in the Bills game. Like they attacked Spencer Brown over and over again, like disguising their blitzes and using simulated pressures and creepers, which we're going to talk about in this episode, and just clogging up the passing lanes and using inverted cover two coverages and just a variety of things. And to be able to have that in your arsenal and your bag of tricks is you need that in today's NFL with how good offenses are, especially as you get deeper in the year and everything that you've done is on tape and teams know who and what you are. And the good news is the Bills have the personnel to do what we're talking about this year. Anthony teased it. We're talking simulated pressures here in just a moment. But first, make your way to FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. It's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I love betting over at FanDuel. They have great promotions every day. It's a safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. You get paid instantly, and the football's futures bets are available. So you can bet the over-under on win totals, the awards, the uh, player props for passing, rushing, and receiving statistics. Check it all out over at America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get that no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, folks, my guest today is Anthony Prohaska of Cover One. You can follow him on Twitter at Pro underscore underscore Ant. He's got a couple of great shows for you to check out over at Cover One, the Disguise Coverage, as well as the Film Room. And we are going to continue our conversation today about the Bills defense and how it could look differently in 2023 with a topic I know Mr. Prohask is very, very excited to get into, and that is the simulated pressures. I've mentioned it a ton. You've mentioned it a ton. Now it's time to make sure Bills Mafia knows exactly what a simulated pressure is and why it's an exciting layer to this defense. I, I legitimately love simulated pressures and 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 creepers, which I'll touch on as well. And it stems from, you know, I'll go, I'll go into what they are, but the notion of why I think they're so popular today and why I love them so much is they're just a really good way to change the pre to post snap picture for offenses. And you can use it to do so many things. And um, for those who want to learn even more on it, uh, Kirby Smart and the Georgia defensive staff, there's a literally like a coaching clinic up on YouTube. If you just type Georgia simulated pressures where they break down the hows and whys of everything, it's tremendous if you really want to dive into it further. But the whole idea of it is a simulated pressure is a safe form of pressure. It's a four-man rush that brings a linebacker or a defensive back on a rush in exchange for dropping a defensive lineman into coverage. So you're still doing a four-man rush, but you're bringing one of your linebackers, dropping your defensive end out. Creeper pressure, the only difference between the two is that a creeper pressure doesn't show pressure pre-snap. So a simulated pressure will be like when, again, you're rushing four and you bring a linebacker, you drop an edge out, but you got the A-gaps mugged and you're showing everything at the line. A creeper pressure, you're just in like a regular Bills defensive alignment. Think four down and then Edmonds and Milano are off ball at the second level. And then right as the snap happens, Milano comes and Rousseau drops back. So they're very similar with one another. But the whole idea is you can create the illusion of a blitz with only a four-man rush. You don't have to sell out in order to get to the quarterback. And then because you're still dropping seven into coverage, granted one of them is a non-traditional coverage player like a defensive lineman, you can play multiple coverage schemes behind these simulated and creeper pressures because you have seven men in coverage. And then you also have the, the opportunity – to dictate the kind of protection you're getting from the offense. If you're showing pressure, 
the offensive line and the quarterback, they have to account for all that pressure. And whether they're using a man scheme or they're using a zone blocking scheme and they want to slide, you know, a half slide or a full slide and keep a running back in to protect or keep a tight end in to protect because they think you're bringing five or six. And then you drop out and you're only blocking four or you're only rushing four. Guess what? Now they just wasting eligibles. Bang. You just wasted someone in the route distribution because you kept in six or seven in to protect. And now the defense has seven against four or seven against five. And that's the numbers advantage for the defense. So, you know, there, there's a lot from the base level of it. And I think it's tremendously exciting. And I think we'll see more of that this year based on what Sean McDermott did with some of these things in his tenure at Carolina. You mentioned the changing of the picture, and I think that's a, a really great place to continue the conversation on simulated pressures and, and creeper pressures as well. Um, changing the picture, right? So much of playing quarterback and being successful with playing quarterback is getting good pre-snap reads and then turning good pre-snap reads into good post-snap decisions. What makes that difficult is, like you said, it changes the the picture, but think about it from a play-action perspective uh, play action kills defenses. It's something I talk about every single week in the lead up to any Bills game that they play. I talk about how much better that quarterback the Bills are facing is when they have play action. And just about every quarterback in the league has much better production when they have play action. Well, what happens on most play action passes? The quarterback turns their back to the defense. Well, crap. Now I turn my back to the defense, and I have no idea what I'm looking at. I have to make a quick decision, and there's people in my face. And so, yes, this is such a a great way to attack the pocket. Now, Anthony, one thing that I can hear fans saying right now when they're watching football games is, what is Von Miller doing in coverage? What is Greg Rousseau doing in coverage? What is that Oliver doing in coverage? These guys are pass rushers. So how do you – like, let's get ahead of it right now. (laughs) Go ahead and address that piece of, of this inevitable uh, complaint that, uh, you know, I think is going to come. And, and it'll happen. Like, I can see that, especially if it like if the Bills lose like one game and Von Miller drops into coverage once they're gonna be like, well, we lost because Von is in cover is in coverage all the time. It's so stupid. And and I know and it's also fair to a degree because a lot of fans probably still have PTSD when the cold front was fantastic under Jim Schwartz wreaking havoc for the Buffalo Bills. And Rex Ryan came in and decided he was going to drop Mario Williams into coverage a ton, which Mario Williams did not like. That's a conversation for another time. But I think Sean McDermott knows how to utilize his players, whether they're highly skilled, whether they're niche players, whether they're role players, whatever have you. And I think you have to put your faith. It starts with putting your faith in Sean McDermott, knowing how to use these guys and how to use these players. And I think fans won't care if they see Von Miller dropping into coverage and they go, what the hell? And then they realize Taron Johnson is coming clean off the other edge and it leads to a sack or Mike Hyde came and blitzed through the B gap and that led to a sack. If it yields the results, it should. I think no one's going to care if it doesn't, then we have bigger problems because then everybody's going to complain and it's not working on the field anyway. But I think this is, this is the next step. And who knows, maybe he doesn't even drop Vaughn as one of those guys or Leonard Floyd, even though if you watch Rams tape, Leonard Floyd drops a bunch Mm -hmm. into the hook curls at times, but especially into the flats, the Rams used him a bunch like that. And you know what? It kind of makes sense. He's long, he's rangy, he's athletic. Cool. But when you work those looks in, I actually think it's advantageous for a defense because that exists in the back of your mind if you're an offensive guy because you're like, well, Von Miller's definitely coming. And then it's like, 
yeah, but I watched tape last week and there were three of these looks where he didn't. So do I have to, is Terrell Bernard coming on this play? Like, what do I do? I think anything you can do to put nuggets of doubt into an offense, whether it's the coordinator or the position coaches or the offensive line or the quarterback, I'm a fan of it. And a lot of successful defenses from college to the NFL, this is that next trend in that fad. So I think you put your faith into Sean McDermott and into the sample size of success you have for these type of looks, and then you hope it yields the results, which I think it will. One of or not one of, my favorite thing, and I would think anybody that studied Terrell Bernard at Baylor, I would think your favorite thing about watching him was – him as a blitzer. Right? Yes. When this guy sh- was like a shooting gaps. A and missile. Blitzing. Yeah. Like times it up really well, really quick. And there's a, a nose for the ball that he just has when he does that. And I'm not, I'm admittedly not Terrell Bernard's biggest fan. Same. Um, but that was an area of his game that I thought was outstanding, like a plus level. Um, and I think if he's the guy that's going to be the starting Mike linebacker this year, I feel like there's some momentum for that. Mm-hmm tapping into the simulated pressures and using him as one of your pressure players seems like a really good utilization of a skill set based on the football we've seen him play. Absolutely. And it, it's funny you say that my, my biggest takeaway, I watched him. I think I watched one game heading into the draft last year and then the bills took him. So I watched like, I ended up watching another five or six and my biggest plus for him was his ability as a blitzer. I loved what he did mentally and in coverage, but sometimes, you know, things wouldn't work out for him because he's, athletically limited, which I know doesn't show up in the RAS score, but the tape shows something different. It's a conversation for another time, but he is a heat seeking missile when he blitzes. He, and he either gets into his gap or he makes an offensive lineman pay for picking him up. You watch him just crank into guards and tackles and centers and he blows them up. And if he's not getting through them and heating up the quarterback, he's cranking into them and somebody else is coming free in the other gap. So exactly your point, you can show you want to blitz him from the second level in a creeper or have him just mug the a gap. And cause he's got a good get off and quickness and watch him shoot. He can create so much havoc cause he's either getting to the quarterback or he's gumming up the works and creating space for someone else. Because if he can't get through and there's not a clean alley for him, he's going to be like, okay, cool. I'll make an alley for Ed Oliver, or I'll make the alley for Greg Rousseau. And I'm going to take somebody out. And that's where Sean McDermott is really great at designing games and stunts up front. And then you start to, you know, work in these, you know, traditional like tackle and stunts, but instead of a tackle and stunt, it's a linebacker and stunt. And you can get really creative with who's looping, who's spiking, who's the first man through, who's the second. And again, these are all things that show up regularly in the Carolina defensive tape under Sean McDermott. So these are things I think we should expect. And if you have the personnel for it, which the Bills do, and you have a coach who has the aptitude to instill the knowledge in these players to run this kind of scheme, which the Bills do with Sean McDermott, again, it's really exciting because you don't know who's coming and who who's coming from where, who's blitzing, who's dropping, what's the coverage. It was play when I if we were running play action. When I snapped it, it was single high. I just turned around and now there's two safeties and somebody's coming free because the offensive line got confused in the protection and it's chaos for an offense and that's beautiful. It's hard to win one on one battles when you're rushing the passer. Yeah. And if you can stress the communication, if you can stress uh, the protection scheme that's going to give you an even better chance of winning one-on-one battles. And so that's why I think it's such a great layer to the defense that I hope to see unleashed 
in 2023. All right, we got a bunch more to get to here. Going to talk coverage, sub packages, and some blitz stuff after a very quick break. All right, we're back here. Anthony Prohaska, my guest today, talking about the Bills' defense, how it can look different under Sean McDermott in 2023. And we got a loaded third segment here. Anthony, how do you want to start this? You want to get into the coverage piece of this, some of your ideas there? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll go uh, in order of how you have it here on this very lovely graphic oh, here well, up you. on yes. streamer. You're welcome. I can tell you're an artist. I like it. I mm-hmm. respect it. Yeah, we'll start with coverage. Um, for, first and foremost, I think some of this is tied into what the linebacker position will look like for the Buffalo Bills. So a lot of what the Bills were able to do from a match coverage standpoint whether you like him or hate him was tied to Tremaine Edmonds's athleticism and length. So, you know, being able to run quarters and knowing that he could match the number three receiver, like a, a, like a Miko Hardman, which, and the example I'm going to give actually happens like Miko Hardman's the number three receiver. He runs a post Tremaine Edmonds carries him 25 yards downfield and he's in lockstep with him. And Mahomes has to look off him and go somewhere else. Tremaine Edmonds in Tampa two kind of functioning as that like middle third deep guy, depending on who the bills start, um, those coverages are going to look different in terms of frequency and usage rates and things. And no matter who starts, they're not going to have the length and the athleticism and the size of Tremaine Edmonds. So I think from a coverage standpoint, I anticipate we see more single high coverages this year. Again, maybe not a holistic, complete change, but the Bills were a team last year who, um, if you looked at you know pre-snap, they were usually a two high shell team 63% of the time. Um, but post-snap, they were second in the entire NFL last year in terms of their two high safety looks. So 51% of the time they had uh, middle of the field open coverage last year, which was the second most in the league. I expect that to dip a little bit. I expect to see more single high coverage just to kind of mitigate for the loss of a Tremaine Edmonds. In addition to having more guys around the box, I expect more safety blitzes. So I think you'll see you know, a little more single high pre-snap or right as the snap is about to come, they're already starting to shift it because they're going to bring pressure. Sean McDermott loved to blitz uh, Roman Harper and Kurt Coleman. And then back in his time in Philly, you know, he was with Jim Johnson. Bingo, there you go. And Quentin McKell and what Brian Dawkins did under Jim Johnson when McDermott was first there as a secondaries coach. So I think you'll see more, you think you'll see some percentages shift from their too high world. Um, to their single high world, both pre and post snap. And I think that's kind of where a lot of things start. Yeah. Not having Tremaine Edmonds limits the amount of middle of the field, open coverage that you can run because of the range and length that he provides. And so, yeah, so that that's my biggest takeaway here for coverage, particularly is a lot of middle of the field, closed coverages, cover three, cover one, those types of, uh, those types of shells, I, I think that makes a lot of sense just based on the skill sets that you have at your disposal. It just makes it's not a it's not worse. It's no. just the shift that you have to make. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that can do that, and it's okay. It's okay, but it's it's what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, so, anything else here on coverage before we we transition to sub packages? I also think we'll see a little bit more man coverage. Maybe not necessarily from a an overall statistical like dial moving needle moving standpoint but i think in critical situations especially on like known passing downs or third downs i think you'll see more man coverage and a little bit more press man especially if kyer elam wins the job um at the cornerback two spot but i think you will see more this defense as a whole i think the theme for this year and greg Rousseau said it yesterday uh or two days ago um uh when he was interviewed at the day two of mandatory minicamp he talked about 
thinking this defense this year is going to be more fast, aggressive, physical. That's what Sean McDermott's defenses have been with what he's been a part of. He learned that from Jim Johnson. He put it into, into practice and action in Carolina. Sean McDermott is attack minded as a defensive coordinator. So I think you will see more alignments and techniques that kind of fall into that aggressive physical world, which is more press and more man coverage. So transitioning to sub packages now, not really a big thing for the bills in the past. I mean, pretty static with your back seven in terms of personnel, um, you know, it's nickel four, two, right. I mean, that's what the bills would run. Yeah. Now they have Taylor Rapp. Now they have a lot of depth at corner, a lot of different skill sets, um, they don't have Tremaine Edmonds. What are your thoughts here in terms of what sub packages can look like and will they actually use them? I think they will. The, Taylor Rapp signing, especially now that they got Leonard Floyd, like I guess seems like the insignificant one, especially he's on a one-year deal, really cheap amount of money. But I just found it really interesting that they brought Taylor Rapp in. And this is a guy who, granted, we don't know what happened with him on the open market, but this is a Super Bowl winning guy who was a starting safety on the Rams for multiple years, who were one of the most successful defenses this past several years. And he's been used in a lot of ways. We'll see what happens at linebacker. But my initial thought is you're going to see a decent amount of Taylor app, especially on third downs and known passing situations, whether he's the dime linebacker or whether he's a big nickel, depending on the matchup, or maybe they're just using more traditional three, three safety looks and, He's one of the, you know, split field safeties on the back end and Hyder Poyer coming down. I think you will see him used more and you'll see more, you know, again, whether he's the big nickel or dime linebacker or third safety packages, I think you'll see him used there. And then I think up front, you're going to see some sub package work as well. Once Von Miller comes back, whenever that is, you've got three and, and I know he's not going to be. I I don't want to doubt anybody, but it's really hard to come back from an ACL injury and be the same player you were year one from that injury that you were beforehand. But whatever they get from Von Miller, you've got Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, who I think people don't realize how good of a year he had last year as a pass rusher statistically and on tape, and then Leonard Floyd. You've got three legitimate like edge rushers and two guys with Floyd and Von who are proven one-on-one winners and you can do things. I expect to see more four-down, you know, D-line looks on third downs where – You've got Vaughn on one edge and Floyd on another, and Greg Rousseau is lined up on the inside. I expect to see more Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd type looks, or Floyd lined up next to Von Miller. I expect to see more four-down looks where it's not just two edges and two defensive tackles. I think you see sub-package, NASCAR-type package looks on the defensive front, maybe even mixed with, you know, tying that sub package in with diverse fronts and throwing in some of those amoeba looks where everybody's standing on the line of scrimmage and there's like seven or six guys and nobody knows who's coming from where. Um, I think we will see more than just your typical four, two, five, where it was the same players in the four, two, five, the defensive line rotated a bunch. Um, like we all know, and like some people hate, but I, I think you'll see more of that. And then also, depending on what they like with their linebackers, you know, maybe we see some more three linebacker sets this year. But I think the two biggest will be Taylor Rapp coming in um, on the back end and then three defensive end sets up front um, on the D-line. Yeah, sign me up for all the Greg Rousseau rushing the B-gap that I can yes. get. I mean, if you could put Floyd and Miller on the edge, Oliver and, and Rousseau inside, good luck. I mean, that's that's the best rush of four the Bills can put together, in my opinion. Um, one thing on the Taylor Rapp conversation that I want to get your take on is I'm excited to see Taylor Rapp on the field, but I don't necessarily get excited about the idea of Taron Johnson coming off the field. So how do you reconcile that piece of it? 
I think this one again will will tie into the linebackers a lot. My ideal version for him is what the Rams did with him in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. So if anybody watches that back, the starting safeties in that game were Eric Weddle, which seems ridiculous. They brought him off the street (laughs) towards the end of the year, was Eric Weddle um, and then Nick Scott, who is now with Cincinnati, ironically. Mm -hmm. Taylor Rapp came in on third downs and was the dime linebacker on third downs, matching up with the number three receiver, number two receivers. And a bunch of times it was Jamar chase and he held his own that that's where his strength is as a player. He is strong in, you can use him as, as a split field safety. You can use him as a post safety. Even though I don't think he's ideally used for that, but the hook curls, the flats, you want him in that box and in the sideline area underneath. Like that's where you want him to live. So I think his easiest way to get onto the field, again, depending on what happens at linebacker, I think you're bringing off one of your linebackers on third down and you're putting Taylor Rapp into that game. And again, maybe depending on some games, if teams have heavier or bigger guys, maybe you kick Taron Johnson off, but I'm in a similar boat with you. I think Taron Johnson is one of the most underrated players in the NFL and one of the key cog pieces to the Buffalo Bills defense, just with how he plays the run and what he can do in coverage. So my initial thought would be Taylor Rapp's coming onto the field and you're bringing off a linebacker or potentially bringing off a defensive lineman. And then you're getting really creative with what you're doing with your front. Let's get out of here with a little conversation about blitzes. And you already alluded to it. Uh, Sean McDermott came up under Jim Johnson, who was like the guy when it comes to blitzing. Um, We haven't seen a ton of blitzing from the bills. Maybe at times it's been dialed up more frequently. Um, How do you see this changing in 2023? Yeah. I, I wonder how much it changes Overall, statistically, if we're looking at like the blitz rate, uh, but traditionally these past several years, the Bills have been one of the lowest teams when it comes to blitz rate. Even just looking at 2022, they had an 18% blitz rate, which was 27th in the NFL last year. And you hit it on the head with, you know, where McDermott cut his teeth, learning things defensively from Jim Johnson, who was famous for his creative zone blitzes, double A gap looks, exotic pressures and pressure schemes. He used a lot of safety pressure. He was constantly trying to create havoc and confusion up front with his blitz looks. So I think you'll see an uptick from a percentage point standpoint um, with the blitzes from the Bills. But I think it'll be more of, I do think we'll see more simulateds and creepers than we will Like, I think we'll see a bigger change in that regard than we do traditional blitzes. But I do think the blitz rate will go up. I think the biggest change will be who's blitzing and from where. I think you'll see more safety blitzes, more Taron Johnson blitzing, and just more more free runners, I think, will be generated because Sean McDermott is going to present things from a schematic standpoint that's going to confuse protection schemes, confuse quarterbacks, and somebody's going to be coming free because the Bills are going to be attacking so much on third downs and known passing scenarios that they're just going to try to create as much confusion as possible. Here for all of it, Anthony. I really appreciate you giving us your time here to come back and talk about the Bills defense. I think we're all very curious, right? Sean McDermott taking over as the play caller, no Tremaine Edmonds some unique personnel with Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd to go with Taylor Rapp. Uh, I think this was a very necessary conversation, and I hope that um, it's a great primer for Bills Mafia in terms of what they're going to see on the field and understanding the why behind it. And so a big shout-out to you, Anthony, for uh, providing a lot of clarity and insight into that very important subject matter. Oh yeah. I, um, I was excited when you mentioned it on the, you mentioned it like in passing on the back end of our Dalton Kincaid 12 personnel episode. And 
I was all lathered up and excited for it. So yeah, I uh, really appreciate you having me back on because especially for a topic as fun as this and one that, you know, like you alluded to, I think will, you know, pay dividends for the Buffalo Bills this year. And it'll be something that when the season is done, we can look back on an episode like this and see that a lot of the things that we talked about ended up coming to fruition in a positive way for the Bills in 2023. All right, folks, tomorrow on the podcast, I'm going to start comparing the Buffalo Bills to their rivals in the AFC East. We're going to focus on the offenses tomorrow, so make sure you come on back. Hit that subscribe button. Would love it if you took a second to mo- uh, took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.